Stuart Hayes is a London-born Olympian triathlete who has been one of the most consistent triathletes for many years, having won races all over the world. In 2012, Stuart competed in the stunning London Olympics and, as part of a strong GB team, contributed towards the Brownlee brothers' gold and bronze medal success. Today, Stuart and his wife Michelle Dillon, herself a former world and European champion, head up Team Dillon Coaching, helping others to achieve their dreams and goals in this tough, tough sport. In May of this year, whilst out cycling in Richmond Park, something he has done many, many times before, Stuart shattered his pelvis after hitting a deer, which sent him flying from his saddle. In this fascinating insight into the world of competitive top-level sport, Stuart also reveals his newfound love for magic and even shares a trick or two. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is Your London Legacy. Welcome, folks, back to Your London Legacy, another episode where I'm delighted to say today I am joined by Stuart Hayes. Hi, Stuart. Am I tripping you up here with the wires? No, it's fine. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Good. Stuart Hayes, for those of you who don't know, is a very well-known triathlete and Olympian from the 2012 Olympic Games, and he now runs with his wife, Michelle Dillon. Yep. A I coaching company Co coaching company coaching triathletes and other high level athletes yeah we also train beginners and beginners beginners to elite so there's hope for me yet. yeah there's hope for everyone <laughs> from doing sprint distance triathlon or should i say super sprint all the way across to ironman which is full distance which takes like 15 hours to complete so wow okay so it needs a little bit more training i think i'm a few few years off maybe entering for that competition just yet so we're going to talk to uh, to Stuart about his life and times and career as a, as a high-level performance athlete. But we're going to start, actually, with something a bit more recent because Stuart recently had a rather nasty accident, didn't you, when you were training? Were you just doing a normal bike ride, I believe? Yeah, I was just out doing an easy ride around Richmond Park and um, I was inside the speed limit because it was nice and easy. Uh -huh. So some people said that I was breaking the speed lim limit, but I wasn't, and What actually. is the speed limit around It's 20. On a bike? On a bike. <laughs> okay. So I was going around the park nice and on a lovely summer's day and next thing I know, a deer has run into the side of me and sent me flying off my bike. Wow. Um, I actually thought I was okay because I could kind of stand up. But then I realized my leg sort of gave way. Uh-huh. And um, two hours later, the ambulance turned up because the lady that was with me said that I'd been kicked. Kicked, not hit. So, How so, do you get kicked when you're riding 20... I don't think she said the right words. <laughs> right. So be careful. Always be careful what you say when you talk to the people on 999. Uh -huh. If it's really serious, make sure you say exactly the right thing. Okay. Uh, so she said I was kicked, and I could hear the ambulance, ambulance going past, but um, they weren't for me. They were for other people. And then, <laughs> and then my friend called and said, uh, I think this is quite serious. You can't stand up. And when they turned up, they said, oh, your pelvis can't be broken because you wouldn't be able to get yourself into the ambulance. And then when I got to the hospital... Your what was broken? My pelvis. Your pelvis? Yeah. And then when I got to the hospital after an x-ray, they said, you've broken your pelvis. In wow. fact, it's shattered. But it was shattered well, so I didn't need an operation. Well, so, uh, shattered well as in clean break? Well, basically, if you imagine you get a ball, you chuck yeah. it against a window, it shatters. Uh -huh. It's all in one piece. Right. So it's healed perfectly. And now I'm basically in the rehab phase. Well, that's amazing. I think this was back in May, I believe. Yeah, May the 19th. So I'm, I'm now walking, cycling, swimming and um, gym work. And I cycled here today to meet you. I was going to say, so Stuart's here in his, um, <laughs> his cycling gear with his bike parked outside. We're, by the way, we're in uh, Piccadilly at um, uh, Picture House Central, Piccadilly Circus, which is one of my favourite places, albeit a bit noisy today. 
and Stuart's bike is parked up outside. Where did you cycle? You cycled in from uh, from Twickenham. From Twickenham, yeah. which is where you where, I live. Where, where you live. Yeah. So Stuart is a Londoner. Yeah, I am a, a West, West London boy. Yeah. And so, just a few months after having had a, a major injury, you're back up and running. And yeah, well, I mean, not running, but cy- no, cycling. I, I, running will be a long process uh-huh. because there's your body has to be like really good shape to run. But cycling, because it's I was doing cycling before while it was healing. I was also doing uh, swimming. I was aqua walking and there's a lot you can do. I mean, the worst thing you can do is just do nothing. Mm. Even even when I was told it's broken, I've got a rest, I was still doing upper body weights just to keep the body, the blood moving through the body because I struggle to go to the toilet mm. if I don't do anything. Yeah. So I realized I need to do some kind of movement here. So I got on the arm machine, you know, yeah, yeah, for people yeah, that yeah. are d- disabled Switching. that can't. Yeah. I, I was in a wheelchair as well uh-huh. because I found that was easier to get around because it's quite dangerous on crutches, especially when you're out in London. Well, that's quite good for your arms and your upper body yeah, as well, it is, a little bit. But, but when it's wet, you can easily slip over. Uh-huh. So I got myself a wheelchair. I got round everywhere. And, and you appreciate how nice people are in London. They help you. They open doors for you. They do. You don't notice that when you're just walking around. But once you're in, in trouble, there's people on every it's funny you say that i was at football my team of spurs i was oh, at spurs yeah. on the weekend and a friend of ours who we sit with she's done damage to her knees yeah. she's got arthritic knee and she came with two crutches and she said she's never had so many people be nice and open doors and be friendly to her yeah it's amazing so you make, get, yeah you get to make new make new friends new as friends well. yeah well i would say london is a, a wonderful people yeah they are and they got um good hearts kind hearts they, ha- they really have very very much so so how long were you in hospital for? Three days. Is that all? Yeah, it wasn't long. Seriously? Because I had a choice with the surgeon. He said to me, do you want an operation or don't you? And I was like, well, you're the surgeon. You're down me. <laughs> but then I spoke to another surgeon who's a friend of ours, and he's his knees. And he said to me, look the guy in the eye and, and, and ask him, do I need surgery? And if he literally looks away or looks at the floor, take the surgery. Because he's looked at the scan, he's said it's 50-50. And he said to me, if I, and I said, if I, what, if you were me, what would you do? And he goes, I would not have surgery. And I uh-huh. did what he said, didn't have the surgery, and I'm back now. I always think that is probably the best question you can ask a surgeon. If if I were you, you or I were your wife yeah. or your child, yes. what would you be doing for them? And then get a more honest answer. Yeah, he gave me an answer, and he was good, yeah. and that was it. I was out within a couple of days. Yeah. So, so for someone who's active all the time just three days in hospital was pretty pretty good i guess for you yeah it was fine it was yeah. uh it wasn't too bad they were they're really good the nhs are great if yeah. you get okay i know if you've got something that isn't quite very serious but it's ongoing it can take forever but if you have something real serious life-threatening they will get you better yeah. and they no. will fix you no. so you're always in safe hands Absolutely. it's if you've got long-term problems maybe it'd be kind of it's mm. best going private mm. but well, nhs this, is great no, i totally agree in fact this podcast is the indirect result of me being in hospital following two back operations two two years ago oh wow so I, I went in uh, boring people who may have heard this story a hundred times before but yeah. i was i i had to go in to shave some bone off my one of the vertebrae which was impinging on a nerve and sure. causing me to be in agony okay and, and that i was in for five six days after that yeah and then i came out and then that hot that operation didn't go so well oh and i ended up having spinal fluid leak oh no and i had to go back for to be stitched up sure. the micro stitching okay. around, around the, the nerve of the, the dura yeah 
And I was in, I think, for roughly 10 days on that time, oh, laying, wow. laying flat on my back. So the only way to keep myself occupied was to listen to audio books and the yes. radio and podcasts. Great. And that's why you and I are here today, yeah, because, because awesome. of the NHS. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my wife has a similar story. That's I how we on. started up Team Dylan Coaching. Uh-huh. Let's, let's swap horror stories. Yeah, she... <laughs> She had to have double fusion of her spine Ooh. because her back had basically disintegrated. She, she ran into the side of the car, but it was in a bad way already. She was in in hospital. Then she came out. Her career had finished. Uh-huh. She'd also been to two Olympics previous. And she was quite young. She was 34. And then she did similar things. She started team doing coaching, started writing programs online. And now we coach 60 people and we have our own little business. So very thank, similar to thank you. Thank you, NHS. Yeah, no, this was, oh yeah, no, this was a private <laughs> she one. She was private. Because okay. it was, she was still on the Olympic um, team. She was got the cover there. Yeah, through. but, it's, but yeah, similar it's story to you. Probably the same care. Yeah, it's same that, it is actually, nurses, because when you're there, they have to do the same work. Yeah. NHS and private, you just go a lot, it just happens a lot faster. Yeah. Oh, well, big, big up to the uh, NHS yeah, and the doctors definitely. and nurses in London. Do a fantastic job. So that was only a few months ago, and here you are looking fit and healthy. In fact, just saw you online sort of racing around Lanzarote. Yes, I was cycling in Lanzarote. Cycling, how was that? Was that just a sort of a keep fit sort of session? Or no, it wasn't. Camp? We were there training two athletes, two professional triathletes. Uh, they're both from London. Uh, one of them is called uh, Emma Pallant, um, and another one's called Sarah Lewis. Emma is world duathlon champion, so run, bike, run. Uh, world aquathlon champion, so swim, run. And she's also second at the World 70.3 Championships two years ago. Okay. So we're out in Nice training with her, preparing her for the up-and-coming World Championships um, in Nice this year. Fantastic. And she's been under your coaching program yes. since, the, since the beginning, Yes, she? she has. We brought her up from a very young athlete. She, was, she came to me, me and Michelle when she was about 22, and now she's 30. So she's come a long way. Fantastic. So and you must be very proud yeah, of what she's achieved. Yeah, very proud. And she's from Hounslow. Yeah. Well, no, she's actually from Aldershot. She then moved to Hounslow and bought her first apartment okay. in we'll, Hounslow. We'll, we'll so. treat her as a Londoner. Yeah, we don't, exactly. We don't mind. Aldershot's not too far yeah. out. That's great. So let's let's just step back in time a little bit and talk about your your career. When did you first realise you had a passion for... Let, let's talk about sport, first of all, before we sort of niche, niche down into triathlon. Yeah, well, I was at school at um, Orleans Park in, in Twickenham. And it was a school where they encouraged you to do sports. And when I was there, I used to, I was, I was a swimmer. And I used to go to Hounslow Swimming Squad. And at the time, there was an athlete called Spencer Smith. And he was world champion for triathlon, a junior and senior. And I, he inspired me to do my first triathlon. So I got really involved in triathlon. Um, and at what then, age was this? Uh, this was about 15 years old. Well, I went from swimming to triathlon because swimming is kind of boring all day long. I used to swim twice a day every day because I was hyperactive and my parents right. needed to calm me down. Okay. So they sent me to the swimming squad and that, that, that did the job straight away. I used to go to bed at eight and then wake up five in the morning, go swimming, go to school, go swimming again, went back to bed. <laughs> but, you, you didn't mind getting up at five so long as well, you burned off some energy? Yeah, there were problems actually. Towards, when I got to about 12, 13, I wanted to sleep in a bit more. But I'm always amazed by parents who get their kids up that early. Yeah, I get think, themselves up that yeah, early. Yeah, I think it's because they knew if they didn't get me up, I'd be going crazy they all, were all day. Give, you were going to give them a hard time. Yeah, so I, they took me swimming. But then I got to about 15. A lot of the guys started to grow and I didn't as much. And I was like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I do all this training, but I'm not coming anywhere. And that's when triathlon came along. Uh-huh. And so I got involved in triathlon. I joined my local uh, tri club, which is Thames Turbos, which is based in Hampton. Um, and then things went from there. I got selected for the British team as a youth. And I went to the World Championships and got like second off, a third. 
Um, and then I had to move. If I wanted to go to the next level, I got invited to a high performance center. So first of all, I moved to Bath. Then I eventually moved to Loughborough. And you, trained. you mean you physically up sticks? And yeah, moved physically over. moved, got a house there, uh, rented it. Because the thing is, London's great and it's great for training, but it is a little bit busy on the bike. And sometimes you don't have the roads to do the hard effort. So you have to go somewhere where it's quieter. Uh -huh. And especially going to swimming in the morning, when I used to swim at Ealing Swimming Club, which I, because I spent some of my career here. I mean, my wife spent a lot of her career based out of London, but going to Ealing from where we live, there was a lot of traffic. So we decided to move mm. to Bath. Um, and we both trained out Bath and eventually went to Loughborough. Um, and then, yeah, I, I eventually made the British Olympic team. Um, I was sec I was first at the, uh, my first ever WTS, which is a world's sort of cup race, was in Kitzbühel. Um, I won that one. That's, and uh, yeah, I had some other great results. I won the London Triathlon in uh, 2000 and actually I can't even remember the year, but I won London Triathlon, which is a big thing for me because that was like a big race. No, well, but you're personal as well, being home yeah, exactly. from London. I saw you can actually still find the footage of you receiving your award, the video footage in your race at Kitzbühel, which was 2000, when was that? And 11. 2011. Yeah. And what I found fascinating was the guy who was interviewing you in part, I think it was part German and yeah. part english he asked you how you how you felt and he said you actually felt tired at the beginning when you started the race do you remember yeah saying that? I, well the funny thing was i wasn't actually going to race that day um because uh, i think I, I i got so i knew i was in such good shape i got so nervous before the race the day before that i imagined i felt ill and my wife said to me stuart you know you're not racing you're not very well don't race and i was like mm, i don't Actually, I will race. I do it as a training race. So right. I took the pressure right off me and I went and won. So, do, do you think it was because you took it away from yourself? Yeah, almost? yeah. Pressure is, that's what kills athletes. Yeah. When the Olympics comes around every four years, the top guys sometimes will never get an Olympic gold medal. So it's so nervous. They, the pressure, they can't handle the pressure. So how do you, what, what steps do you take? What strategies do you do to relax before a race? Um, you, you, well, there's, you just try not to think about it. You watch a movie, you hang out with friends. The worst thing you can do is talk about the race because it's constantly going through your mind anyway. So you want to do stuff that takes you away, read books, stuff which will take you to another place. Mm. Uh, the best, best athletes are really good at doing this. The worst are terrible at it. I mean, some guys, they train all day long. They get to a race. They don't even finish the race because it's so nervous. Something will always go wrong. They will find something to go wrong because... They're nervous. With the, they, they want the result that badly that they just destroy themselves in some way. So what do they get all tight, tight in their muscles? Yeah, they can't breathe properly. They're constantly running to the toilet because it can give you diarrhea because uh, it's, 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 it's anxiety, yeah. but on a, on a massive level, which you can't, you can't do anything about. Yeah. You so, don't strike me as a nervous type. No. Well, before I race, I can be, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not really. I, you learn as you get older how to develop, how, how, how to do things to help yourself. Uh-huh. So, so just run us through, walk us through, in my case, yeah. the, the three phases of a, of a triathlon and what does a typical triathlon look, look okay, like? Okay, the, the, the triathlon I did the Olympic Games was a 1,500 metre swim, usually down the sea or a lake. So it's, always, it's open water. Yeah, open water, 40 yeah. kilometre bike ride and then a 10,000 metre run. Uh -huh. um, that's the Olympic distance. The Ironman distance is a 1.9 kilometre swim a 180k bike ride and a full marathon i never quite got to that because i got too many injuries but i got to half of it so i was pretty happy with that yeah um yeah so it's a good sport uh, so the training has to be very specific for each individual part element yes it does uh, and i believe that you you favor the first two 
parts of the the race. Yeah, the swimming and cycling were my good, my best part of triathlon. The reason being is because I was a great runner, but I'd always get injured. But what I realised is I didn't spend enough time in the gym, and my wife was the same. We you, you get so into swim, bike, run every day, you sometimes forget about going to the gym. And the gym is the most important thing, especially as you get older. You need to do more gym work. Mm. Uh, because I mean most I mean not always but you know when you get like hip injuries and stuff like that and especially as you're older and you're walking around that can easily be prevented if you went to the gym when you're maybe in your 40s and 50s and 60s yeah because you've got to keep the strength in the muscles mm. so would you say that time at Kitzbühel was the sort of one of the pinnacles of your career in terms uh, of races won yeah definitely I mean that was one of the races that got me in the Olympic Games oh, wow. because I, I did it by get, getting away on the bike and it proved to the selectors, even though they, the selection wasn't happening, but they were looking out for things. Uh-huh. And at the time, we had two young boys, two young lads coming through the Brownlee Brothers and yes. they were exceptional. They were looking for someone that could actually help them. Because I got away on the bike, they saw this as a someone they could use for the race and that's when they selected me the following year. So in Two some, years later. So in... Um a track event they would call that being um like a domestique in a cycling do- domestique in cycling yeah, is that the, what it's called in the tour de france they called domestiques uh-huh. yeah so that's someone a helper. who uh, yeah yeah a like pace a, setter in, yeah in a track like event. a pace setter yeah so somebody pushes them along and is a tactical yeah yeah that addition helps. to the squad yeah so basically it was it was designed so if there was a problem on the bike like one of them got dropped or got a puncher or was was back on the swim i would time trial him up to the main group because they're such fantastic runners we knew they could win a medal, mm. but we had to make sure they were there at, at they were there first off the bike. So I was there as a safeguard, and if anyone tried to attack on the bike, I would cover the attacks because that'd usually be me attacking. So right. they didn't want anyone like me in the race because if I was in the race, some guy could break away, get a two-minute gap, and he's won the race, and they couldn't do anything about yeah. it. So that's what they were protecting. So first off, it must have been an enormous honour for you to be called up to represent your country at the London Olympics. Yeah, it totally was. It was to be honest, it was actually unexpected for me because the year before I was so injured, I thought I had no chance in going. And that year, I didn't even know they were going to pick a domestic. They kept it quite secret uh-huh. because they didn't want to. They wanted to surprise people at the Olympic Games. Um, and I'd been trying for twelve years to qualify for the Olympics. I, I failed at two thousand, two thousand four, two thousand eight. I should have got two thousand eight, but I got double puncher in the oh. in the trials. And then 2012 came along, I'm like, well, I'm definitely not going to 2012, I'm fully injured. And I go, and it's in London, so it was like a well, There you go, bonus. because you, you, you ran when you said you weren't feeling too great. Yeah, exactly. So what you've done is you've taken Michelle's advice. Exactly. You, you wouldn't be where you are today. No, you're right. It's you're all these things, right. though. It's very strange, though, isn't it? it? Life how, is how strange. Life pans out. So there you are. You weren't expected to meddle at the Olympics no. itself. But no. your role was to encourage and to get yes. the, the Brownlee brothers yeah. who went on to... Great greatness, I suppose, in their sport. Yeah, to push them on to medal, and I think one, one, I don't know who, which one. Got Alistair which. was gold, <laughs> and Johnny was uh, bronze. Okay, I knew though at that point I couldn't achieve a medal at all. Uh-huh. If you said to me four years ago, I could definitely got a medal, but 2012, I was so injured. People were putting minutes into me on the run. I had no chance. I was so happy to see someone from Great Britain potentially win some kind of medal, and we got two, so it worked out perfectly. That's phenomenal. But did you feel as you were racing that you were pulling them along and the timings were good and that they were likely to to be on the podium yes i knew if we could get them off at the front they would they would get a medal Hmm. so it worked perfectly and there were so many people watching as well over a million people watching the event 
It was, and we had plans before the race, talk on the bike, communicate. We couldn't do anything. There was too many people, too much noise. The whole of London felt like came out to watch yeah. the race because there's only one of the three events going, so it was really special. Yeah. And the beautiful thing, as you say, it was run around London. So just, just talk us through, if you remember, do you remember the, the route it took? Yeah, it went uh, around Hyde Park. Mm -hmm. It went past Buckingham Palace, and that was it. Yeah, around Hyde Park. Yeah, Buckingham Palace and yeah. Hyde Park. They, yeah. That was the loop. So it's uh, an iconic sort of parts of London. Yeah, you go past it Buckingham was. Palace, and I think through around the Serpentine. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's where we swam was in the Serpentine. I still right. swim there to this day. Do you? It's a little bit, you know, it, it feels dirty, but it's actually clean. Because uh -huh. I've never been sick from the Serpentine. I've been sick from other places all over the world, but I've even sawed the water and nothing's happened to me. It, it feels <laughs> dirty because there's ducks, like, down the toilet in there, and yeah. there's feathers everywhere, and there's, like, weeds. Right. But it's clean. Uh -huh. It just doesn't look clean. And there's always it's always being treated as well because I got to keep because because they know everyone swims in there, right? Especially on a really hot day. There's no motorboats or anything there with, no, with diesel. They, it's all there's all pedal boats. Yeah, they're like pedal boats, boats, but they have the serpentine area that's sectioned off to swim in. Right. So if okay. you ever fancy something very special, you go to the serpentine do an open water swim. It's something you'll never forget. Well, it's it's on my list of things to do. In fact, I had on the podcast a few weeks ago the um, a filmmaker who did a film all about the open ponds at Ham Hampstead Ponds. Oh, yeah. And he did a film there called The Ponds, following the life and times of people who go and visit the ponds oh, through, through, yeah, yeah. Uh, tw uh, through 12 months. Nice. Which is a beautiful film. So, And you can swim uh, in the ponds as well. In Hampstead? Yeah. Yeah, there's a men's, yeah. ladies, and there's a, mix, there's a mi great. mixed ponds. It's the same And they're, and they're open 24-7. Yeah. And some guys go there. I know one, at least one or two people who go every day of the year, including Christmas Day and New Year, yeah. even if there's ice and snow on the pond. That's the same with Hyde Park. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And they say it's all got these curative benefits and mental health benefits. Probably, yeah. yeah. Well, it's outside, you're breathing, you're fresh air. Absolutely. It would definitely help your mental health, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been involved with, as I say, the Olympics. You've won, you know, major, major, major events. And at what point did you think, you know, I've, I've, I've peaked. I can't do much more than I've done. I'm going to maybe move on to something else, maybe go into training. Or yeah, well, I'm a coach. I coach now. Mm -hmm. I coach people from, like I said, from beginners to absolute elites. So this is, um, this is an organisation your, your yeah. wife set up, I believe, Michelle? Yeah, it's called Team Dylan Coaching. Um, it's, we, we coach online, and I also do personal training sessions in central London. Um, so I, take, I basically inspire people to... I mean, I've had guys who are quite overweight to finish in an Ironman. So it, it, anyone can do it. It uh -huh. doesn't matter how old you are. People that do triathlon, Ironman, some, some people in their 80s. Seriously? Yeah, so anyone can do it. I mean, they're more the sprint guys, but there are people who do it in their 80s and all uh -huh. kinds of... It's absolutely an amazing sport because yeah. there's someone's waving back. You got, you're a fan. Yeah, I don't know who they are. <laughs> um, but the, um, it, it's, it's because it's, it, it, it's swimming, cycling and running. It's not like if you just keep running all the time, it's, very, it's quite bad for you. But if you cycle, if you swim, you get the full body workout, mm. and you don't. And it's it, it's good for the mind as well because you're doing something different every day. So that's what I do. I'm a coach along with my wife. So how long have you been doing that now? I've been doing that for about four years. I mean, I realised after the Olympics that was kind of my my time was over. Um, I started to do some half Ironmans, and I was also a pacemaker. I'm a pacemaker for the girls. I, I pace them on the swim and the bike. Um, the biking not so much lately because obviously I broke my pelvis but yeah. the swimming I'm back into pacing swimming we train at either a swimming pool um, and yeah that's what I do I, I, I coach and I pace and I keep fit myself so I, I enjoy so how it do, how do you find that from a mental point of view having been a, an athlete performing and competing at the highest level to being 
not so competitive more passing on your knowledge yeah there was, was time where I went a little bit I've, I missed it quite a lot and I, re- I really wanted to maybe get back into something else but that's when I found the magic which has really helped me oh the magic yeah as, as in magic yeah okay. magic as in I like to <laughs> perform magic because yes. I had a guy in my team who, who lives in um, he lives in Wandsworth and he was, his name's Max Somerset his name's Maximilian, but Max Somerset. And uh-huh. he was in my relay team along with a guy called The Gadget Man. Do you know him? Uh, no. Jason Bradbury. Um, he was on The Gadget Show. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, he, yeah, yeah. he was in my team as well. So we had those two and me. And because and I'd just done the Olympics, it was like the celebrity team. But it wasn't, I wasn't the famous one. It was more like those two, uh-huh. especially The Gadget Man. Anyway, Max started to do magic tricks for me. And he just blew my mind on the stuff he could do in a way he could perform. And, Ever since then, I've been doing the coaching, the magic, and keep myself fit, so I'm, I'm well, happy. What a combination. Had you always liked magic as a kid? Uh, no, I didn't really know anything about it until Max enlightened me. Now I'm always on YouTube looking at videos. I listen to all the old magicians, and there's some great history in London of magic because we yeah. had the Magic Circle. Yeah. Um, have you been to their head office in London? I haven't London? been there. Do you know you why? Go. Because at the end of my road, there's a, a shop called Prop Dog, and it's where all the best magicians go to basically buy magic or learn magic or see the latest technology in magic sure. so I haven't really gone into London yet to see it which I need to do you should go it is fantastic You can't. they do every now and then they do tours I think yeah, they've got I, a museum downstairs as well which is lovely and an auditorium yeah I should go I kind of jumped the gun a little bit which is a bit naughty but um, I did there was a Devon, the Devonports in, in town I went there once but they weren't as friendly as the guys in Prop Dog so um, so did you bring your cards with you? That, I that, did bring that, some magic with me. Go on then. Oh, is is this something we can do on uh, uh, audio or will well, it not really work? No, no, we can do it. So Stuart is just reaching into his bag, producing okay, a, a pack of... It's quite hard po- doing it one-handed. <laughs> I'll tell no, you what, I'll, I'll, hold the, I'll hold the mic for you. Yeah, just hold the mic on there. And we'll see if we can make this work. Live magic. This trick, actually, we can actually do if... Yeah. Okay, so... How so we've got, car- we got a regular pack of playing cards, yeah? yeah. so how many cards are in the pack? I, I would guess 52. 52, <laughs> okay. So I'm going to do... Oh, let me just pull this again. Okay, I'm going to do that one more time. And you're going to choose one card. Okay. Can you choose a card? Do you want me to point to one? Or no, think, just or think, think, think the one, one you of, see, one you see. Okay, yes. You got one? Yes, I have. Okay, good. Just hold that for me. Okay. I hope you're following this, listeners. Yeah, so now I want you to. Fo- I want you to give me a few little hints. Like, uh, was it a high card, low card, high I mean, card, high card? So it's a picture card. It is a picture. Picture card. card. So was it? Um, well, was it a male or female? It's a female. Female. So I'm guessing it was the Queen of Diamonds, Hearts. It, it was the Queen of Hearts. There we go. Well, that's outrageous. Yeah. That's outrageous. That's that's done close-up magic right under my nose yeah. and I still couldn't guess how he did it no <laughs> that's pathetic yeah so <laughs> on they, my part yeah, not no, to see how no, you did it it's, it's a great, trick. great trick on your it's part a good trick. but you're not going to tell us how you did it though are no, you no I'm not no. no I'm sworn to secrecy so <laughs> Max would kill me yeah so I got into the magic and I love the magic and I think when I'm 50 years old I want to be a magician uh-huh. I've got 10 years to practice that's amazing. Do you, do you find that relaxing? I mean, do yeah, I do. It's very, and you've got to be very skillful. It's like a whole new. It's like me starting triathlon again. There's so much to learn, and the, but with the magic, there's no limit because you think you're good at something, and then someone say, "Oh, do you know coin magic?" I went, "Oh, now there's co- there's coin magic. There's men- there's a mental mind magic as well. Yeah, it's called mentalism. Well, the Darren Brown. Yeah, style. there's yeah. a whole there's a whole like section on it which I wouldn't even go into because the books are like libraries and stuff so there's so much to learn it's crazy you go to a Darren Brown show and he sort of he he sort of I've seen several seen him live several times and he gets you to 
he'll say what your pin number is on the back of your card, for example. Oh. You know, and he'll, he'll say what you're, what you're wearing yeah. under, your, under your jeans. or Yeah, it's know, amazing. What, what, it's quite incredible. But they, they see those guys are like athletes. They spend all day, every day training, training, training and, and working on their, 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 um, their skill. Yeah, and understanding psychology yeah. and yeah, body language and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because I love it when he says to you, I don't suppose you're aware of all the posters that I had put up on your way to your way to your seat when you came into the auditorium and you look around and go, oh my God, these are all like subliminal messages which I yeah. hadn't even picked up on. No, oh, it's fantastic. amazing. It's amazing how the mind works. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, so what next for you then? I mean, what are you, what are you planning on? You've got a race coming up? Or? Yeah, well, I, I, obviously for myself, I have nothing coming up at all, but I'm just happy to be able to be, you know, walking around but doing normal things. Is it painful? Do you still, no, nothing. No, I'm, no pain at all. Seriously? Yeah, that's, that's really so I'm good. happy just to... Just to be able to like wake up in the morning, walk downstairs, make a coffee. I think when something serious like that happens and you realise you could have been paralysed, because if I'd been knocked in a certain way, I could have been my back instead because it was a really hard blow, mm. you start to appreciate your, your, your health a lot more. So at the moment, I'm happy just to be doing what I'm doing, like coaching, walking around. But I'm off to, my wife's doing the World uh, uh, Triathlon Championships in Lausanne for our age group. She's the previous world champion, so she's going there to defend her title. She's okay. doing the sprint race. She actually won the whole race last year, so she beat every age group from 16 up to 80. So she won that. Is she up to win it again this yeah, year? Yeah, she's in great yeah, shape. Yeah. I mean, you, can, you can never say what's going to happen in a race because a race is a race, but she's in great shape. But she's up there. Her timings are good <laughs> compared to the rest of the yes, field. Yeah. Yeah, so she, we're going to that. That's in Lausanne in two weeks' time. Oh, and then, and then uh, the following week's the World Half Ironman Championships in Nice. So and we're going there to support some of our age group athletes and also our professional athlete, Emma Pallant. Fantastic. Yeah, and then after that, I think I'm going to have a holiday because <laughs> I haven't had one this year. So I think you deserve one. Yeah, I want to go away somewhere nice. Yeah. And then I think that we have a break from training, you know, like serious training ourselves because my wife mainly, because I, t- I, tra- I take her train every single day to make sure like she keeps that mm. level high. So have a little break, have a holiday, and then we get back into everything next year. Are you good at motivating each other? So when one feeling a bit like, can't be bothered to get out of bed and do... She's, <laughs> my wife's the best motivator. Yes. She's better than me. Because um, I'm not lazy, but uh, I can sort of start training midday. Whereas she, she gets, she's got routine. She has to get up early in the morning. And then by the afternoon, she's tired. So she's really good at motivating people. Yeah. And me as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And your magic, you gonna you want to take that to the next level, and maybe can you get competitive in magic? Are they, oh no! Oh, well, the, the the dream as a magician, obviously, is is performance. Yeah. So go into um, like a like a, a restaurant and being the magician there, mm-hmm. or a bar, or somewhere where they employ magicians. So I have actually done two magic shows in my whole life. The first one was for the Prince of Bahrain. Okay. Yeah, I was in a race in uh, Slovakia and he was there racing because he's really into triathlon. He went to Hawaii. He, I think he won the, his age group or something at the Ironman World Championships. So and what, he, tr- what trick did you perform on him? I did a <laughs> flaming cane <laughs> and it's where a cane peers out fire. And I did uh, another couple of like car tricks and stuff. So when I turned up, that guy said to me, whatever you do, don't mess this up. I'm like, why? What's he going to do? <laughs> Nothing happened. So I went into a room. There were 60 people in there. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I can't be doing this. I'm a beginner. So I just gave him three tricks. I, I bet you felt more pressure on that than you did in the Olympics. I did. I had a little few drinks in the way, and so I was okay. <laughs> That's not good for a magician. No, it's you not. Your actually, hand trembling. Do you know what? When you actually have a few drinks, the performance of magic goes down. For me, it goes down the tube. Yeah. So I realized if you're going to have a drink, make sure you have a drink after you're doing especially Absolutely. cards so I'd done a trick for him 
And the second trick, uh, show, mini show, was for Usain Bolt. Okay. Yeah, in Thailand. Um, basically, I got told he was in a nightclub and we wasn't invited. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go along anyway. And I could see him in the corner with like an entourage and loads of security. So I did the flaming cane. He called me over and I was like, right, I've got literally, I've got to impress him now. I impressed him and he gave me, my wife $100 for a tip and he also let us take pictures and film. So we were like, well, Fantastic. happy days. And well, yeah. we celebrated for the rest of the evening. So Very good. two people that I've done magic for. Very good. Well, I don't know where you go from there, no, really. No, I know, exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's been uh, a delight to have you on the show. And yeah. We got there in the embers. We had a few dates which we had to cancel, but yeah. uh, no one accounted for your recovery from your, your hip injury and yeah. your travelling to Lanzarote. What was the weather like there? Because we're uh, going there in a couple of weeks. It was absolutely lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely, it's, it's it? a little bit windy, yeah. especially if you're cycling, but for... Um, for, for a holiday it'd be, it'd be yeah, beautiful no, I, I love it over there because it's not too hot the thing is when you go to some parts of Spain it's absolutely boring because you've got the wind coming all the time it yeah. cools you down so it's, it's a lovely it's part lovely. of the world the landscape is just stunning yeah it uh, is I love all that volcanic yeah it's landscape. lovely so as I say it's been an absolute treat pleasure having you on the show thank you very much yeah before we go, just tell people how they can uh, find you on social media on your website okay so my website is teamdoncoaching.com um, my Twitter is Stu Hayes uh, thirteen. That's my Twitter name. Okay. Uh, and Instagram. Uh, Instagram is uh, Stu Hayes Try is my Instagram account. Okay. Uh, and Facebook is just Stuart Hayes. So. And everything else is linked from there directly. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, uh, people may want to get in touch with you and they may want to join your, your yeah, coaching program exactly, for example exactly I mean the thing is if you just google my name and put in Twitter I come up if you just google my name Stuart Hayes and put in Instagram I come up you'll see a picture of you laying on the floor in Richmond Park with, yeah, with deer running away yeah that was that was, that was that was that was one of them yeah definitely but they'll definitely be able to find you that's fantastic so thank you very much yeah thank you it's a pleasure yeah now, one more thing. I always ask all my guests before, before we split up to tell us one or two places that they love about in London where they go to, which is a secret place, uh, you know, somewhere that you really like. Not, not something which is overly popular, but something no. pertinent and relevant to you. Well, the Prop Dog Magic Store, that's, that's in Hounslow. That's really relevant to me because it's like at the end of my road, it's kind of, it, I really enjoy going there because the guys are so friendly and they want to get you into magic. Dynamo Cycle Cafe in Putney. That's good. It does nice coffee. I don't know if some people can taste the difference between good coffee and bad coffee. Most people can now, but before I didn't know anything. I just no, thought coffee, was coffee, yeah. was coffee yeah. but now I'm starting to become a bit of a coffee snob. Connoisseur. Yeah, because I can sort of taste now the good coffee and the bad coffee. Even though it costs a bit more, you can still taste a really nice coffee. So uh -huh. that's why I like to go for a coffee. Um, and I love to go into Richmond Park, Bushy Park. Wimbledon Commons nice too, just for training, yeah. you know, somewhere to get out and about. Lovely. Hampton Pool's a good one too if you like swimming. Uh, the Lido, oh, Tusingbeck Lido is fantastic in the summer. Well, you've got loads of places. Yeah, loads yeah. of places. So <laughs> Endless stream. Yeah. That's great. Thank you ever so much okay, once thanks. again and for having you, uh, for appearing on the show. We much appreciate it and good luck with your events that you've got coming up and next week with your... With my wife. With doing your the, wife. Yeah, doing the World Championships. Yeah, I hope that goes well. Let us know yeah, how you get on. I will do, definitely. All right. Thanks, All right, Stuart. Cheers. Cheers. Every week here at Your London Legacy, we bring straight to your device a new and fascinating guest with a wonderful London-based story. We hope you enjoy listening to their timeless stories as much as we enjoy creating them for you. If so, the best way to show your appreciation is to subscribe to the show. Simply go to www.yourlondonlegacy.com and pop your name and email in the box where shown. 
That way, you'll never miss another episode. Thank you for your support. <laughs>